This is Viterbi Voices, the podcast, your chance to hear stories about research, classes, student life, and more directly from our faculty, students, and other members of the engineering community here at the University of Southern California. This is episode 96, featuring Dr. Christian Nyack, a professor in our EE department specializing in medical imaging, or more specifically, MRI. Tune in for an episode about his non-traditional college experience, the importance of electrical engineering in today's shifting world of technology, and the future of medical imaging techniques. Hello there, and welcome back to Viterbi Voices. Uh, this is episode... 96. 96. As usual, I am one of your hosts. My name is Paula Desma, Director of Undergraduate Admission here at the USC Viterbi School of Engineering. And my name is Rhea Chowdhury. I'm a senior studying biomedical engineering here at USC. Well, Rhea, we are making our way through the month of October. It is October, it's like about the last week of October, October 22nd now. Um, what, are you, what are you dressing up for as, for Halloween? I don't know. I still don't know. One of my friends was saying I should dress as the Statue of Liberty. Are you going to dress up? <laughs> I want to because I haven't for the last three years. You got to like go out with a bang, yeah, like, senior, like year. senior year? I have to do all the things. Are you going to go to class dressed up? Because it's, it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. I only have one class on Wednesday, so maybe. So you could pull it off. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe if I can get a bunch of my friends to do it, then I will. Because I have class with all of the other VMEs in my year. Okay. From 12 to 2. You guys should do like a big theme. Yeah. Like you all show up to class in one. <laughs> that would be fun. I would honestly, I think that would be super funny. My professor would be really into it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so uh, this is... We're, we're, we're kind of, I think we just like passed the midway point of the semester and like you're, you're, I think everybody's been like super like Swamped just swamp. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. got a vibe about them. It's just like, cause it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like people are interviewing for internships and jobs yeah. and then like midterms and reports are coming. Like everybody's just like one minute after the next, it's busy, busy, busy. But I think over the next week or so, everybody just starts like going downhill mm-hmm. a little bit more, which is nice. Um, we have been out on the road uh, with recruitment stuff, and um, it's been it's been very cool. We've been meeting with so many different prospective students and parents, uh, going back to the beginning of September in all these different cities around the world, and we've had a fantastic uh, turnout. So thank you to everyone that has joined us in all those different cities. I mean, personally, I was in Dallas and Houston and Washington D.C. Um, and San Francisco Bay Area, and we had other people in Denver and Phoenix and Chicago and New York and Boston, mm-hmm. and uh, just this last weekend in South Florida and Atlanta, and it just goes on and on and on. We, we were in Mumbai and New Delhi and yeah. Beijing and Shanghai and mm-hmm. Taipei and Seoul and oh just, goodness, just everywhere. everywhere. So it's been it's been it's been interesting. Um, there been a lot more students than usual. Yeah, yeah. we've had more. We've had a, a bigger turnout um, than the than previous years. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been really good, and there's been a lot of enthusiasm, which I think is nice. Sorry. I'm just tired. I just really, I've had <laughs> two I've had two days off in the last six weeks. Um, <laughs> and so I'm really looking forward to a day off. <laughs> I'd really like to have one, um, oh, or I'm not working, good. or not on an airplane. Uh, yeah. But anyways, without me getting like super depressed and tired. <laughs> Um, th- there is a, before we get into this episode, there is a really cool thing coming up very, very soon. And that is your live chat. Yeah, that's our live chat. So a couple of us VSAs will sit down and we'll answer a bunch of your questions on a live chat. You can all tune in on viterbivoices.usc.edu slash live. And that'll be going on Sunday, November 4th. At 7 p.m. Pacific time. So everyone should tune in. We'll answer a bunch of questions. You can submit them yourself so we can answer your questions. And it's always a good time. It's super fun. Yeah, it's basically you guys all set up and you're you're broadcasting a live stream of, yeah. of you just hanging out. And yeah. people can type in questions. Mm-hmm. Um it's not like the it's not like all of the students are going to be on cameras like you guys are going to be on a camera and they can watch you but they don't <laughs> they don't have to be on a webcam to ask questions they yeah. just go onto a little form and ask mm-hmm. questions and you guys see the questions pull up and then you just start you know answering away and having a conversation it's a really cool last about an hour uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun so um, you guys I definitely recommend checking out if you're thinking about applying Viterbi Voices dot usc dot edu slash live that is November fourth at seven p.m. Pacific time. Um, so make sure you do that. And, um, also don't forget to mark your calendars for Sunday, November 18th. Sunday, November 18th is going to be discover USC here on campus, which is our large 
on-campus open house. And as part of that open house, we have the huge, ginormous, super awesome, super cool Viterbi Expo. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Viterbi Expo. Hashtag. (laughs) Viterbi Expo is like the big day to see everything in engineering. We're going to have lab tours. We're going to have faculty out doing micro-seminars on certain topics. We'll be giving presentations on the admission process and the School of Engineering as a whole. We'll have all of our undergraduate students out here showing off some of their projects and their student organizations and ultimately just getting a sense of what this place is all about. It's a really cool, really cool full day. It's a Sunday before Thanksgiving, and then you guys go off for your, your Thanksgiving breaks, which is nice. You get, yeah. you get to end on a bang. Yeah, it's always so much fun. And we have a huge photo booth. Which oh, the photo booth. A highlight. So the definitely photo booth come is a out. Highlight. Yeah, the, the photos are always so cute. I still have a bunch of them from the last two years hanging on my wall. So. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, November 18th is Viterbi Expo at Discover USC. November 4th is the live chat. And... This episode is Dr. Krishna Nayak, and uh, Professor Nayak is in our electrical engineering department, and uh, he does a lot of work in signal and image processing, specifically related to medical imaging uh, and MRI, so magnetic resonance imaging. And we have a really cool conversation where he breaks down imaging techniques in general. We quiz you on, on whether yeah. you know your different imaging <laughs> specialties. Tune in for that. <laughs> we, we gave Rhea a test in the middle of it. Uh, and so we talk all about imaging and, and we also have a really long conversation about kind of the, the, the strength, uh, the, I think the unrecognized strength and, and persistence of electrical engineering across a number of different engineering disciplines. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, if you are not thinking about electrical engineering, this is a perfect episode for you to listen to because it describes a little bit more about how broad electrical engineering is and how it. I don't, I don't want to say invades, but is the core of probably most of the applications in modern society of other engineering yeah. solutions. Yeah, because at the core of all the technology we use is basic electrical signals. Right. And that's what electrical engineering is all about. And the tools that you learn as an electrical engineer are so versatile and you can apply them in any kind of application, whether that's building a computer or building an MRI machine or mm-hmm. building... Media outputs. Something else, yeah, media yeah. outputs, something else. So it's ubiquitous to, the, to all of engineering. Right. And really important. And it's, we have a really good conversation about that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, without further ado, I think we can get out of the way and hand it over to Dr. Nyack in electrical engineering. Sweet. Hey, Hello. how are you? Pretty good. Good to see you. You too. How's everything? Sorry, that's good. that's your uh, seat. Thanks for last minute scheduling this last night. No problems. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And then, that that mug is yours. That's that's your our thank you gift thank for, you. Okay, for coming. Cool. So you get a, you get a new yeah, mug. Replace my t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> How's everything going? Pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it's it's Monday, so I'm still a little groggy. But uh, other than that, I think it's it's going to be a, a good time to talk. Um, uh, so, um, do you listen to podcasts? Are you a big podcast person? I do. I listen to one on the way in. What are your uh, What are your go tos? Hidden Brain is my oh, favorite love podcast. Brain. Yeah, it's so good. Have you I, don't, to I, don't, I don't know this one. No. So uh, you can go ahead and explain it, and then I'll just add. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's, it's hosted by a guy named Shankar Vedantam, who mm-hmm. um, looks at the hidden forces behind decision making. It's basically mm. behavioral economics. Got it. Um, but he picks. I mean, the whole team picks great topics oh um, cool yeah. that's awesome really cool well um so now you get to be on a podcast how exciting <laughs> is that you get to tell all your friends you, get to, you know tell your parents you made it you finally made it <laughs> um well though as, as we talked about over email it's basically just you know conversational and, and the more you talk the better uh, why don't you start off and tell us uh, like where you're from originally sure uh, i'm from tallahassee florida okay uh, which is actually one of the cities that got hit by Hurricane Michael yeah. last oh, week. Oh, man. Uh, oh, my gosh. But I grew up, I was born and raised in Tallahassee. Um, is your family still there? My family is not there. Okay. My parents passed away in 2011. And my sister, who's my, my one sibling, she's in the Bay Area. Okay. So I don't actually have any relatives there, but we have lots of family friends. Everybody, wow. fortunately, everybody's okay. Everybody's okay? Yeah. All right. But um, that's where I'm from. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I went to undergrad in my hometown, Tallahassee, Florida, at Florida, Florida State. State. Yeah, yeah, FSU. FSU. You're a Seminole. <laughs> I'm a Seminole. Wow. Uh, and then, um, then I went to grad school at Stanford, and then I 
you know, did various things and various I things, ended yeah. up as a <laughs> faculty member at USC and very happy here. What was, um, what was like at, life at FSU like? Uh, you know, FSU is a, a big, big football school, obviously, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, got, uh, it's got that big kind of public school I- idea of like that traditional college experience. Yeah. What, what was that like? Uh, so I was not a traditional college student. What does that mean? <laughs> so um, I, um, I skipped grades okay. growing up. So I actually I started college at 14. Oh, my God. Really? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so I lived at home, of course, you know, for the first – for a bulk of my undergrad. And so I actually had my undergraduate experience – when I was in grad school, when I that's when I moved out of the house and I like I didn't so know did, you turn, apartment. did you turn eighteen before you graduated? I did, yes. Okay. So I spent five years as an undergrad, okay, which was good. I needed I needed that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so actually, my very my fifth year, I lived in an apartment on campus, and I had kind of the campus lifestyle, but still, you know, it really happened when I traveled across the country and yeah. you know went to grad school. So wow. I did not know that. So did you did you go to? I have so many questions. That did you did you go to high school at like? Eight? Or no, no, no. Or so, um, I, so the the <laughs> grades that I ended up not take going to ended up skipping were um, kindergarten, fifth, seventh, and ninth. Why those grades? Out of curiosity, you know, I think that's just the way it worked in our school system. So, you know, nowadays, my my impression is that in there's a lot of differences in school districts around the country. Uh-huh, we yeah. know that, right? There's yeah. differences in opportunities. There's differences in. Um, uh, in how challenged you can get sure. uh, with what's offered. And so in the lower grades, it was easier to for the school system to promote you, to kind of keep you engaged. Got it. Uh, there was like these standardized tests. Yeah. And if you kind of knocked those out early, the school board was, would actually allow you to, to move ahead. Wow. And then, you know, when you go to high school, you know, you have courses, there's requirements, and it's a little bit... Wow. A little bit more complicated. What were you thinking as a 14-year-old, like, okay, I'm going to college? I mean, granted, you were still living at home, but what, yeah. was it just normal at that point to you? Like, You know, it's, it, the better person asks is my sister because my, my <laughs> older sister actually did the same thing six years before me. Oh, really? She, uh, she is the one that kind of – I think she's the one that kind of set the path, and I just kind of – I was the pipsqueak that followed behind her. <laughs> wow. Um, so um, for me, it was, it was fine. Yeah. You know, because I was yeah. a 14-year-old in my own little world, uh-huh. you know, and uh, it was totally normal. Huh. But probably for my sister, it was, it was more dramatic because... It was, she was the she trailblazer. Was the, she was yeah. the trailblazer, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. so crazy. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, very non-traditional college student. I think that's Not an understatement. <laughs> yeah. I, was, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, like, you know, like, oh, I just like to study a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like to study a lot, actually, so... <laughs> And so uh, at at nineteen, you said yeah. is when you kind of you had your college experience by going to grad school, and yeah. you went to Stanford. I went to Stanford yeah. for your master's and your PhD as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you were there for roughly five years. Yeah, five years, yeah. five and a half total. Five years. And then, um, and then I actually was uh, on the staff there for two and a half years. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, but at, at Florida State, you mm-hmm. studied electrical engineering and applied math, or it was a longer, it's a long degree title. Yeah, now. so it yeah. was, a, again, you know, I, I was young. Yeah. So, and, of course, you know, even without being young, you know, you, it's hard to know exactly what you want to do when of you course. start college. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, I changed my major many times. Yeah. yeah. I think it was six times. Wow. <laughs> what uh, did you start with? I started with um, philosophy and math. Okay. And then I kind of meandered, and I ended up um, ended up take, also majoring in computer science and mm-hmm. then ma- in electrical engineering. Huh. So I started kind of getting more and more applied as mm-hmm. college right. went on. Right. Further from philosophy. Basically, yeah. <laughs> right. right. How, how, how dare you not have it figured out at 14? <laughs> <laughs> And then when you went to Stanford for your graduate degree, was that in electrical engineering? It was. It was electrical engineering. Yeah. Okay, great. And um, at that point, is that when you started working on basically imaging and MRIs? Or what were you working on at that point? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really interesting question. So when I went to grad school, I was intending to work on something completely different. I was really interested in um, compilers computer graphics, mm. operating systems. Wow. And um, that was my intent. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But then when I did my first year of graduate school, I took a bunch of classes. I actually rotated in labs that were doing those things. Uh-huh. And um, I ended up really, really enjoying uh, a set of classes that led me towards medical imaging. So I didn't really even conceive of going into imaging until the end of my first year <laughs> of grad school. Huh. And then it just... Um, it, it worked out great. It was a great match. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It all worked out. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, and then this is where we have a mutual friend. Uh, yeah. and, and, and that we, that we found out that we know someone, because you went to grad school with someone that I went to high school with. Yeah. Right? And so you, that's where you met Ross. I, well, yeah, I knew I met Ross, and then I found out our connection because he posted something on Facebook with, like, a class reunion. And I was like, hey, yeah. what's Paul doing in that picture? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Rod, Rod, this guy I went to high school with, yeah. uh, we had our 20-year high school reunion a couple years back, uh-huh. and, and it, was, it was a good time. <laughs> we, had, we had a lot of fun, and, and Ross and I were, we were somewhat close in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this picture, and so Christian stops me in the hall, and he's like, hey, you know Ross? And I was like, <laughs> the clear blue. I was like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I saw you in a Facebook photo of everybody there. So That's so cool. Yeah. yeah and so real. did you and Ross work together directly? Uh, we didn't. Yeah, so we, we were in the same um, same. Mega Lab, and mm-hmm. uh, he was working on hardware stuff. I was working on some of the software side of mm-hmm. the MR, MRI instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew each other, you know. Our, you know, we had a heavily overlapped social group, mm-hmm. and uh, I also really admire some of the stuff he's doing right now. Because um, he's faculty at Stanford now. He's faculty mm-hmm. at Stanford, and he's doing a lot of c- good stuff with the way he, with the teaching, with learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and he and I, we were, we've been talking a lot about, uh, a lot about that. A lot about that? Yeah. Anything you want to talk about here? Anything you want to tease <laughs> as far as your future plans with him? Yeah. So the, um, just generally speaking, there's many ways to um, facilitate learning. Mm-hmm. And um, there's uh, quite a bit of evidence now that um, we can do a better job facilitating learning by creating a- active learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that requires kind of a pretty major shift in the way we we uh, run courses. Right. Yeah. And so um, Ross has worked with uh, this uh, Nobel Prize winner, Carl Wieman, who I, I also follow his work, um, developing uh, reproducible models where you can uh, implement at different, different places to mm-hmm. help turn over the curriculum mm-hmm. into, into a a way that's more active. And this this is the idea that, like, a long time ago, they, they've learned that the traditional, like, lecture method doesn't do anything to help mm-hmm. students learn. It's just yeah. this idea of, like, you just talk, and the, the old way of assuming a student's going to absorb that information and learn it, but this beginning of flipping the classroom, but then there's, this mm-hmm. is an extension beyond that of, like, creating more active learning environments. Like, what would be different? So the... Uh, I, I wouldn't say the, that the lecture method doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I would say that the... Uh, we can make it work better. Sure. And we can, we can um, provide more guidance, more support during the hardest parts of learning. Mm-hmm. Got it. So t- typically just receiving information, uh, it's not that demanding, yeah. right? right. Um, but what's really demanding is kind of um, organizing it in your brain, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. applying it to solve yeah. problems, mm-hmm. things like that. And so it's nice if we can create those challenges in a, in a setting where you have lots of backup. Lots of support, yeah, right from pros, absolutely. You know, and you know we're we're supposed to be the pros, yeah, absolutely, right? yeah. yeah. So, and actually, we even we're even better at that. I think I would argue that um, places, you know, top universities that have leading research faculty that are that are like doers. Mm-hmm. You know, we spend the majority of our time doing. Yeah. Um, we're re- we are really good at um, helping people uh, solve problems with knowledge, right? Yeah, and the fact that I think one of the biggest misnomers uh, of students when they come in is that they're afraid of faculty. Like they, like, like they don't believe that they, uh, faculty, like you, you all want them to succeed. Like you want mm-hmm. them to, to get on your same page. And, yeah. and there's this idea of like, oh, I, I, I'm afraid. I don't know if they're, I'm going to, they're going to fail me out or anything like that. It's like, yeah. they, you don't understand their whole goal is to, is to help you. Yeah. yeah. For freshman year, it's intimidating a little bit, but it, then you kind of yeah. actually go to office hours and you realize it's fine. But some of that is also even perpetuated by this whole, Lecture kind of pulpit, yeah. not yeah. pulpit, uh, yeah. lectern. lectern. <laughs> yeah. It's got yeah. no, analogy there, right? No, definitely. That creates yeah. a little bit of a psychological separation, even yeah. when they're, even if that's not perceived by the instructor. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So. 
especially because that's how they learn. So they just figure, well, this is my turn to, to teach that way. And the, yeah. so that kind of mm-hmm. per- self-perpetuates itself. Yeah. Um, so uh, so you're, at, you're at Stanford, and mm-hmm. um, you're, you, you find your way into medical imaging. Mm-hmm. And a lot of your research now is focused on kind of novel techniques related to MRIs and magnetic resonance imaging. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Is that That's a correct. fair way to say it? Um, yeah. So can you help uh, people understand, first and foremost, how, how does magnetic resonance imaging work in general? What does, how does electrical engineering, because you're a faculty member in the electrical engineering department. Mm-hmm. So, so far when we've been talking about medical imaging, people might hear medical and think biomedical or medical school. <laughs> um, but a lot of people don't understand EE is the primary element to this whole technology. Mm-hmm. So how does it work? How, how does MRI stuff work? Yeah, t- okay, no problem. Um, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so the MRI works by um, taking advantage of special properties of um, atoms in the body, specifically hydrogen uh, and various other, various mm-hmm. other atoms. So mm-hmm. uh, many atoms have this special property called nuclear ma- magnetic resonance, which means they respond to unique frequencies of energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is, these are frequencies that are very safe to transmit uh, in and around human tissue. And so the way MRI works is you expose the body to electromagnetic fields and then that um, then listen to the response from those, from those atoms. Mm-hmm. And um, our body is, most, is actually mostly water and fat, mm-hmm. which has lots of hydrogen in it. All the water is H2O and all the fat has lots of these... Um, these chains with mm-hmm. CH2. Yep. And so there's just tons of hydrogen in the body. And so if you put the, um, put the, put the human or any other a living thing into, a, into an MRI scanner that has a large magnetic field, you can send, uh, send energy in at specific frequencies and get signals back out. Mm-hmm. And from those signals, you can decipher where the hydrogen is and other, tish- other properties of the, of the tissue. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a high-level picture of how it works. Got it. Um, what's cool about it is that it's, it's getting signals from hydrogen, which is, the, which com- which is uh, highly uh, prevalent in soft tissues. Mm-hmm. So uh, our organs, our blood, it's all kind of – it, that's, what, that's what's providing the signal. And so when we're trying to study health and disease – that's where most of the action is. Mm-hmm. It may not be in the hard things. Like if you have a bone fracture, of course, you want to look at the bones, right? right. But, but uh, if you want to look at the health of the heart muscle or the, you know, look at a tumor somewhere, these are all, all soft things. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing is that the electromagnetic fields, they're not blocked by anything. So you can see inside the skull. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see inside anything. Uh, then nothing really uh, blocks it. The other th- cool thing about MRI is that the... Um, that all the magnetic fields that are used are extremely safe. Mm. So there's no risk to getting a scan for preventative reasons or to get continuous monitoring for, to know the status of your disease, things Got like it. that. What is the main difference between MRI and other imaging techniques? I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. people might be aware of, like, you know, there are X-rays, there are mm-hmm. CT scans, there are PET scans. Yeah. I mean, of course, they all stand for different things. Yeah. But, um, but what is the, what are the main differences between these different imaging Hey, y'all, sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know that we have a number of campus visit programs available to you right now. If you want to check out what campus is like, if you want to learn more about the Viterbi School of Engineering, go to viterbi.link slash visit. That's V-I-T-E-R-B-I dot link slash visit, where you can learn about our Viterbi visit experiences that happen on most Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We have some virtual events that happen on occasional weekdays and occasional Saturdays. Plus, we have some transfer virtual admission sessions where you can learn all about how to get those courses ready for transferring. We want to meet you. We will have lots of opportunities opportunities to do it and it's happening all summer long but get your registration in now at viterbi.link slash visit hope to see you soon this is great because i'm taking yeah. an imaging class this semester so this is my study <laughs> well let's quiz you then. Let's, let's start here Maria. Oh, okay no. now put yourself on the spot we'll see we'll see if dr nag is I was gonna, gonna wait till later to mention that no I'm taking, no i'm man. taking signals and systems this semester yeah and also medical imaging you ta- is it so, 425 yeah 425 oh, with professor zavaletta oh yeah. that's wonderful yeah it's a really good class we're learning a lot about it I've heard she's done amazing things with that class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really comprehensive. It's, and we talked about MRI like last week. What's the class really about? Cool. So it's just called Basics of Biomedical Imaging. So every week we focus on a different kind of imaging technique. 
and mm. we can go from there. So last week was MRI. We've done PET. We've done CT scans. We've done X-ray. So what does PET yeah. stand for? Oh no! Uh, Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um. Good question. What does PET scan stand for? Something. P- positron. Positron emission. Yeah. Tomography. tomography. There we go. Okay. And then CT scan. CT computed tomography. Okay. Cool. I know that one. <laughs> took the midterm like a week and a half ago, so I hope some of the knowledge is still in my mind. <laughs> but like for, but yeah. for like the random person that like yeah. goes into the hospital and gets told you got to get a scan, and there's this, all these different mm-hmm. words that what are the differences yeah. between all these? I mean, I think that's one thing that might be nice to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so uh, like we were just talking about, they they scan different types of tissue, so that's okay. a, a good place to start. So like soft tissue is MRI, X-ray is more for bones and, and fractures, and looking mm-hmm. at that. Um, PET scans and nuclear imaging is more for like monitoring from what yeah, I understand. And, and you can also look at um, metabolics. Mm-hmm. So you can, you, can yeah. you inject a tracer. Yeah. So you can target something in particular. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So the MRIs yeah. don't need those tracers. MRIs, it can help sometimes, mm-hmm. but sometimes. it's a lot of MRIs done without any contrast agents. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because right. there's functional MRI and then there's MRI, right? Even anatomic scans. Mm-hmm. You can, do, you can, gen, you can uh, see a lot of the anatomy without giving anything external huh yeah that's cool, yeah. That's cool. now um your your research is on novel approaches yeah. right so so what would you what are the new things that you're trying to do with mris that are that are different yeah so there there's two um just general weaknesses of mri that some of our projects attack and then there's another one so i'll, I'll kind of categorize it that way so yeah. one of the big problems with mri is that it is generally slow the time it takes to make a measurement and make an image is it's on the order of, you know, half an hour to an hour, mm-hmm. is, whereas a CT scan might be, you know, two minutes. Meaning that you're in that, like, metal yeah. tube that yeah. you can't move, and that's why people get claustrophobic, <laughs> yeah. and they, like, listen to music and all that yeah. other stuff. Exactly, yeah. So um, uh, one set of our projects are related to imaging very, very quickly. Um, so we motivate this by imaging things that are moving a lot, like uh, the heart, the heart that's beating, or mm-hmm. maybe the vocal tract when you're doing some speech tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one set, set of our projects. Another area is uh, MRI is generally very expensive. Mm. Um, and a lot of the design has been um, motivated by high-end uh, static imaging applications, like imaging the brain or imaging the, the joints when they're not moving. Right. And so we have an initiative to develop lower field options that are better for other parts of the body. Um, and then the other projects we have are all related to taking a technique that, is, that works with MRI and making it into a viable product in the clinic. Mm-hmm. So one example is that we've developed a, a tool for measuring um, the, the delivery of blood flow to the heart muscle, mm-hmm. which would be really powerful um, clinically for, for patients that have kidney failure. And so we have an NIH-funded project to make that technology more mature tested in animals, and then eventually tested in a clinical cohort to mm-hmm. prove that, to demonstrate its effectiveness. Um, we also have a project to take an existing technique for, um, for uh, monitoring brain tumors mm-hmm. and making it substantially higher resolution, and then also translating it into, into patients. Cool. So that's, those are generally the areas we work. We have some technology yeah. projects, and we also have some translational projects. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, like, bridge the gap between them? Mm. That's cool. Yeah. And most of your research is focusing, or it has the 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 possibility of affecting like like heart disease, and uh, I can never say this word, atherosclerosis. I can't say atherosclerosis. It. Atherosclerosis. <laughs> yeah, I have this have a horrible time getting that word out. Atherosclerosis. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and also sleep apnea. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so each Some product is different, but yeah, these are these are big problems. Yeah. Heart disease is a big problem. Sleep apnea is a big problem. So we. Um, we look for impact opportunities and go for it. I wouldn't say we're like you're not solving not that stuck, problem. We're yeah. not solving that problem. Yeah. We're not stuck on the pro- we're not stuck on one problem. We're we're looking for opportunities where MRI can make a big difference, mm-hmm. and we work on those. And hopefully, like scaling down MRI, making it cheaper, making it not such a big deal, mm-hmm. uh, making it faster, can hopefully help those types of ideas because early, uh, maybe early indication of that or, or finding yeah. it a little bit faster would be better. It wouldn't be so cost prohibitive. Is that kind of the idea? Uh, that's that's one of the ideas we we're going right now for the performance angle. Okay. So for example, the 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 new magnet configuration that we um, we just had a NSF grant funded to work on this. Um, 
we, um, we're going to shoot for higher performance for certain applications, mm-hmm. so people with implants or mm-hmm. things like that. And then um, once we demonstrate an improvement, we will look at, at cost. Cost has so many other um, – it's a, it's a very complicated issue to do without substantial input from vendors and right. uh, people that do clinical workflow right. because often the equipment, m- equipment might not even be the major cost. Really, you know, training of the technologist, yeah. you know, the 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 uh, workflow of the of the hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's an industrial. It's an ISC yeah. problem too. <laughs> yeah. Right? There's, yeah, there's there's wait times. There's yeah. patient yeah. triage factors too. Oh my god, it's so, a complicated yeah. optimization problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So we, I mean, I think we're heading that direction, but we're also going to work on bite-sized chunks that we can control, yeah. and mm-hmm. then uh, expand from there. That's mm-hmm. great. Very cool. And then uh, the ideas of imaging in general are kind of just an, an output or a, um, an end result of the overall concept of, of, of signal and image processing, correct? Yeah. And that's that, that kind of that, I don't know, I don't know if it's an end point of electrical engineering, but it's kind of a focus of electrical engineering. Because mm-hmm. electrical engineering as a discipline mm-hmm. is incredibly broad. Like for someone to say they want to study electrical engineering doesn't mean anything because it's <laughs> like so many things. <laughs> uh, how True. would you describe to a high school student that's thinking electrical engineering, or had never thought about electrical engineering, what the heck is electrical engineering? <laughs> I know that's a complicated question. We'll let you roll on that. Yeah, it's a complicated question. I mean, I think it's easier to answer your first question, which is, you know, what is what is signal processing? Or what sure. is, you know, because the, um, because um, making a, a description of all electrical engineering is hard to do in a compact way. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't have a, punchy answer for that. That's okay. No, I don't, I don't expect you to. So in terms of um, the signal side of electrical engineering, um, so much of what we do relies on, on information. Mm-hmm. So um, the signal side of electrical engineering is all about measuring this information, um, studying it, uh, maybe transmitting it, analyzing it, converting it into different forms. Transforming it. Transforming it, exactly, <laughs> from your signals and systems class. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fourier transforms, the <laughs> they're rough. Yeah, they're rough, but they're really powerful, right? Yeah, so, they are, yeah. they are, once you kind of understand how they work, but yeah. Yeah, so the, exactly, so transforming them and, and then controlling them. Mm-hmm. And so this is, uh, this uh, uh, permeates every aspect of our life, right? You know, I'm talking to you right now through this microphone, right. and this is doing a lot of work to convert the energy in an acoustic vibrational wave into an electrical wave, electrical signal that's going mm-hmm. to then, then get to uh, convert into a number, mm-hmm. and then quantized and digitized, and then it's going to be compressed by at least a factor of ten to be streamed on a, to be stored and then streamed through a podcast, mm-hmm. right? And then the same process is going to be inverted on the back end, and. Uh, uh, it, per- it permeates uh, media, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's permeating at like all of medical imaging. We have uh, information in those images is then distilled to essential elements and then kind of re-expanded when someone is viewing it or interpreting it. Um, when we develop systems that control things, we also have to be able to uh, distill the content, extract information, and provide feedback. You know, for say say your uh, keeping a plane, you know, yeah. flying exactly right, right? Yeah. You have to, there's so many signals that have to be measured, monitored, maybe cleaned up a little bit because of noise and then fed back into process. Okay. So that's broadly what I think what I think uh, a high school student should think about. Like, look around you. There's signals, like, literally everywhere, mm-hmm. and we rely on them. Um, and there's even signals that we don't even realize are just in the air. Yeah. You can just get a – you can get a – an antenna for your computer for 20 bucks. Um, if you uh, go on any online store and look for software-defined radio antenna, you can get a $20 SDR antenna, stick it into your laptop, and download some open-source software to scan all the different frequencies, and you can find there's just tons of information that's actually in the air right now. Like what? Like uh, I, if, if I had my laptop here, I could tune into the um, to the uh, – you know the USC facilities. They have a they oh, have a, like, they have like a channel the, the they radio. use for communicating the ra- or yeah. the emergency broadcast. You, know, <laughs> right, right. you can it. you can go to anything. There's tons yeah, of just different frequencies. Different, different frequencies. Yeah. yeah. 
Hey everyone, this is Paul. Sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know about a new feature we just unlocked. It's about sending us questions or comments via text. If you go to your podcast player, check the show notes. There's a link there that says, send us a question or comment. It may be on our next episode. So go in there, send us a little quick text message. Let us know what your questions are. Let us know what your comments are. We'd love to hear from you. So we can't wait to see it. Now back to the episode. Huh. So we, we've talked about it a few times in this podcast, um, uh, but the the accessibility of like programming classes for, for kids these days mm-hmm. and, and the push for programming is obviously good, um, but it's creating a bunch of students that think they're interested in computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, but the accessibility or understanding of something like electrical engineering or circuitry or, yeah. or what we just talked about right now is not necessarily there. So how... How do you how do you translate what you just talked about to the to the kid that's like learning how to code in Java right now or like wants to make yeah. a video game? Right, right. Yeah. So um, I actually think that the interest in programming and software engineering is it's actually great. It's fantastic. I think it's yeah. fantastic. You know, um, you know, it's it is being able to program and and communicate with a computer mm-hmm. so that the computer knows what you want to do. Uh, is really an essential skill for any type of engineer. Mm-hmm. So not just a computer scientist, a right. Mackie, electrical engineer, BME. It's the new literacy. It's the new literacy, right? You, you're, we're, we talk to computers a lot, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, so uh, I think that's important. I think your original question was... Um, like I, well, so what I think is it's creating a bunch of false positives of students that want to study computer science. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah, I see where you're getting at, yeah. But, like, at the end of the day, there's also not something that's creating uh, an interest in... Uh, a student that goes to that says, I want to study computer science. I'm like, yeah. well, do you? And, and and where does electrical engineering fit into that? And I was my, my short answer to that is, like, you know, guess what? You can't do any of that without electrical engineering. Yeah. <laughs> like, software, software uh, programming does not exist without the hardware. It's actually programming itself. Totally, or, totally. So how do we get how do we get kids or high school students to recognize the relevance or the uh, ubiquity of electrical engineering, given that it is so complicated to explain? This is a really hard question, and um, I know <laughs> I wish I knew the answer. You know, it's funny. The so if I reflect on my own path, yeah, I started out as being interested in the fundamentals, okay. and I slowly gravitated more and more towards applied things. Got it. What you're talking about is kind of the inverse problem, yep, right? that's exactly Some, it. Someone's at the applications layer, and you're saying, how do we get them more interested in the fundamentals? It's really hard to do. Yeah. It's really hard to do, but the, I agree with you. The fundamentals are where it's at, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and if you don't understand the fundamentals, it's hard to even make your application layer stuff the best, mm-hmm. right? You, you need to know whenever – and this is just general my general feeling – whenever whatever you're – Whatever layer you're operating on, you need to have a deep understanding of a few layers upstream. Yeah. So, for example, in my field, I work on magnetic resonance imaging, and there's a layer of physics, a couple layers of physics kind of upstream. There's one, a couple layers even further, like quantum mechanics. Mm. A lot of people can do very innovative MRI without knowing quantum mechanics or understanding it. They can understand an intermediate version that's kind of a simplified, called mm-hmm. the classical description of, mm-hmm. of NMR, and then you can do a lot with it. But you've got to at least know that. Right. 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 <laughs> if you just go, if you just go into my field without even trying to know that, you know, you're going to waste a lot of time. Right. And you're probably not going to have much impact. Right. So. Um, so what but, are the fundamentals that they need to know? Is it is it physics? Is it uh, electromagnetics? Is so it, in, in my field, actually, it's physics, math, electromagnetics and software, software systems, real time systems, you know. It, but to, that's the sexy part, though. That's the part that they're so excited about when they get to software. They get to program. And they're like, oh, look what I could do. I said, hello, yeah, world. And like, everything changes. That's what it is. Instant right? results. So you can get instant results, but it's um, – the so the goal of our work is not to just make results. The goal is to create new and useful results, right? right? So exactly. um, that's the key. So you can generate new by having a deeper understanding of what's – what's more fundamental, mm-hmm. then you can make your stuff, you can really make new things. Mm-hmm. Useful often requires being interdisciplinary where you kind of look at who the users are, mm-hmm. right? So that's, um, 
I think that should motivate us. I think so. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, when um, other than signal and image processing, mm-hmm. um, what are the other areas of, of electrical engineering? And I know that's not necessarily Actually, your area. Before we go, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about how we get how the we get the word out to think more broadly? Mm-hmm. Since this has come up at a few other. <laughs> other episodes right well yeah. one one is doing this is consistently mm-hmm. talking about it mm-hmm. i think i'll let you jump in here in a second but yeah. like i it's just this constant like don't forget about electrical engineering <laughs> uh like for some reason people are just not seeing it and we we've talked about this if this is probably about the fourth or fifth time it's come up on this podcast mm-hmm. where um uh, accessibility of computer science has never been higher before. So mm-hmm. therefore, there's all this interest in computer science because a kid can have a laptop or a tablet or a phone and be taking an online programming class with Khan Academy in the middle of the night with their parents not knowing. Right. Right. So that's, that's accessibility there. But they don't have breadboards. Yeah. And, and they're not understanding. They're not, they're not teaching themselves circuitry necessarily. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, I think it's instantaneous like development of things and instantaneous application. Yeah, like you can put an app on the app store. Like, yeah, super quickly now with all the existing knowledge that's on Khan Academy, you can get kits and you can put yeah. it together and put something in a week or something. But it wasn't it wasn't long ago that that software engineering wasn't even considered part of computer science. Well, yeah. so here's what's interesting though is that I think that the other thing is that you have the the celebrity factor mm-hmm. of computer science companies. Mm-hmm. And CEOs, like I'll, I'll often be in a, in a room of hundreds of people, and and you can have them all accurately point out CEOs of computer companies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right, and so there's a celebrity yeah. factor, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can point. Everyone knows who Jeff Bezos is. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who Steve Jobs was. Everybody knows who Bill Gates is. Everybody knows who uh, Tim Cook is, mm-hmm. and and I think for some reason they just skip past the fact that all of those things have hardware. Yeah, mm-hmm. Apple started as a hardware company. Right. Yeah, so, so it, it's interesting to think about that. But it's, it's all far, shifted. But it, but I think but with user interfaces, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. software is making the hardware disappear mm. if it's done right. In a sense, right? You're not you're not the the old home computer user used to have to like take it apart and go to fries <laughs> all the time. Where mm-hmm. you know kids coming up in the in the '90s were building computers, and now it's it's that's still happening. There's still yeah. a lot of hobbying going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raspberry Pi, you know, that yeah. was that was a kind of this change where people mm-hmm. had that out there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think one of the things, I think the core, to get to the, the core of your question, is to figure out how to come up with an explanation of electrical engineering. Yeah. Because every electrical engineer I ask says the same thing. I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So. Well, the, they, they know, but it's a hard thing to explain if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thought. It's interesting. I, I don't. Yeah. I'm not even sure people. It's all what you identify with, too, right? Do mm-hmm. You identify with being. A, these are names, right? Computer science, electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah. Because most most computer science, most electrical engineers have backgrounds in the opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was our last episode with Andy Goodney, computer science faculty member, his whole background's in electrical engineering. He's teaching computer science. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we talked about it with him a little bit. Um, and the fact that you, you just can't do one without the other, I think, is the biggest deal. Yeah. I think the other thing might be, uh, to go back on instantaneous results, is that a computer scientist can code something and program something, put it up in the app store and create some sort of product. An electrical engineer has got more built-in time. Mm-hmm. Right. This is just going to take some more time. Like we're going to we're going to iterate on this much longer before we create some sort of product. Maybe that's maybe that's another element too. Right. Yeah. Like I just saw. Tough, yeah, it's a tough question to answer. How do you think? Um. I mean, I'm I'm trying to reflect on my experience. I grew up in the Silicon Valley, so mm-hmm. everyone around me went to college to study computer science because that was again what we were most interacting with. Um. But yeah, I mean, coming to college, so I'm studying biomedical engineering, and I've had to take classes in everything mm-hmm. as a result. Um, really understanding the fundamentals of engineering, it all does go back to electrical engineering, and really having a core understanding of that will make you as an engineer much more powerful. I mean, my circuits class that I took is the one that I found myself referring back to the most. Mm-hmm. Circuits, like differential equations, and... I know what I'm, what I'm doing in my signals class. I'm seeing in all of my other biomedical classes now. So it's really going back to those core concepts and understanding how all the electrical tools 
that we use work, yeah. and then that'll make you a better computer scientist or, or developer in the future. Yeah, it's easy to kind of make something that you'll interact with and, and use on a phone, mm-hmm. but who built that phone? Right. You know? So it's like, it's a different problem. It's like, do you want to build something that's tangible and, and maybe more impactful large scale? I think you need to have electrical engineering as a background for that. Maybe it has to do with the layers that you talked about and the upstream mm-hmm. kind of layers to it because something that occurred to me was that there's this like layer of end use application mm-hmm. and we get a lot of students um, reflecting on my own experience where a student comes in and says you know I want to study biomedical engineering and I say why and then they start talking about imaging and I say that's cool definitely they're involved but electrical engineers are going to be the core of that uh, I want to develop these really cool apps I want to cre- create these, the next best device or phone that's mm-hmm. great software engineering is going to be part of that but mm-hmm. electrical engineering is going to be a core of that mm-hmm. um, uh, we have since for a while there that were coming in saying they want to do, you know, energy focuses and and they would want to study environmental engineering. And sure, mm-hmm. there's going to be an element of that, but electrical engineers are going to be involved <laughs> in power and power conversion and mm-hmm. everything else in between. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just that idea that electrical engineering has become upstream to almost every other technology that yeah. it's getting forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, and they have better marketing methods. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Me, but just naturally, because in a hospital, they don't assume electrical engineers are part of that hospital. Right, right. They don't assume electrical engineers are part of that, you know, environmental sustainable cause. Yeah. Because it's the core technology. Yeah, yeah. so it's just getting the word out, I guess, about that. Talking to as many high school students as possible. And that's kind of the point of this, too. It's like, <laughs> how do we do it? I don't know. We just talk about it. And we get yeah, it yeah totally done. Makes yeah. sense. What else should we be doing? I'm I'm going to join you on this quest to find out. <laughs> this really sounds like one of the most important problems of our day, right? Yeah. If, uh, because the um, you know the workforce is the future, right? Mm-hmm. And so if if you're identifying kind of a general tilt in work in the emerging workforce being um, you know disproportionately interested in one area, then that's something that's going to be. This is going to be a national issue yeah. to try to resolve. You know what's interesting is yeah. that we've got so many kids that come out of high school that are just jazzed about robotics. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is a really great application, not understanding upstream stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we get so many students saying, but no, no, I want to major in robotics. I'm like, it's not a major. <laughs> and they're like, why not? Like, that's all I want to do. And I'm like, yeah. what you don't understand is that it was introduced to you to show you how to bring lots of different engineering techniques into one thing yeah. at a high school level so you can start to figure out what you like about that. Right. And, and the majority of them end up going in one of two directions. They're like, well, I like the programming of it or I like the physical building of it. And then they're missing, not missing, there's some that really love the circuitry of it, mm-hmm. and they really love all that element. But they're missing that to tie it all together yeah. is electrical engineering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we have to figure out how, I think that's the interesting part about it, is that the accessibility of end-use applications, super sexy yeah. topics in high school, yeah. are missing the upstream elements. But in a sense, you can't just show, <laughs> you can't show the upstream stuff to a, a freshman in high school and get them excited about it. Well, that, you can, but that's what you, you when you do it. That's what makes some of the curriculum dry. Yeah, this is this is kind of these things are meant to sauce it up a little bit, right? Exactly. <laughs> so. That's the old problem with engineering, yeah. which was like yeah. the engineering degree was thought of as this giant black tunnel that you never see any light out of. You just have yeah. to keep slogging through until you get out, and then you say, "Oh, there's the promised land. I'm making cool stuff." Yeah, so, and we bringing some of the light to the front of the tunnel means that uh, we got to figure out how to balance that out. Yeah. yeah. Side effects. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I don't know. We just yeah. keep having these conversations, and mm-hmm. we, we just keep going about it, and we, we see how that's going to change, and yeah. well, hopefully that will take some time. I know that it, just in this year alone, when, when people raise their hand for computer science, I'm like, mm-hmm. keep in mind, can't do that one without electrical engineering. <laughs> and there we goes. Oh. <laughs> So that's, think, that's how I'm trying. I think these are also national trends, right? Uh, oh, no, I'm not talking about USC. Yeah. This, is, yeah. this is actually not really a big USC trend. I mean, we, we're fine. We have good interest across the board. Yeah. And actually, our electrical engineering apps are doing quite fine. It's just the across-the-board electrical engineering is getting, is getting lost yeah. for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, Anything else that's going on with you? What, what class are you teaching in classes now? Or? I'm teaching freshman academy. Oh, this cool! Semester, so nice. I'm doing two sections of freshman academy. It's a lot of fun. How is that yeah. going for you? Pretty good. I haven't done it in a few years. Uh, they the curriculum changed since the last time I taught it, and yeah. uh, it's gotten a little more formal, formalized a little bit. Yeah, but I like it. It's cool. Great. Coaches are always amazing. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. So, yeah, 
Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and how have you found the freshmen to be so far? Uh, excellent. So the um, I have uh, two sections. One's at 10 a.m. and one's at noon. My 10 a.m. section is definitely a little bit more tired than my noon <laughs> section. <laughs> Apparently, 10 a.m. is a little early for some freshmen, <laughs> but, but other than that, I mean, it's fantastic. Everybody's engaged. They're present. Um, it's they actually very refreshing. Poster, they did their posters, right, for grand challenges? Or were, they, was your I, section? my my sections didn't do that, okay. uh, but several of the sections did a like a a unit on the grand challenges where they had to make a pitch, and they did that during um, Parents Weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think was, it was this weekend. That was, right? Yeah, that was. It was very poster. impressive. Yeah. Did the, you the go poster, to them? Yeah, I went and watched and uh, walked around and talked to them. They were really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw them, but I had to leave. Um, yeah. but uh, it looked like it was going to be pretty cool. Yeah, the posters were really impressive for just having maybe I think a week or two to work on their ideas. Mm-hmm. They were really cool. Well, this year I believe all the freshmen wrote an essay about a grand challenge. That's true on the application, right? We built it. It was two years ago we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we incorporated the grand challenge question into the application. Yeah. Okay. It's not an essay, um, but if they want to call it that, it makes them feel, feel better about <laughs> it. Um, yeah. Take like any excuse. <laughs> yeah, we we added that to our application as more of like a showing you what's important to us mm-hmm. as part of the application process, but also for them to start getting a preview as to what's going to be important to their education while they're here. And so hopefully that's starting to, what it sounds like is it's setting the theme or setting the tone for your class a little bit as well. I think so, yeah. I think it may have helped the the ones that had to do it on a short timeline. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the they had uh, their thoughts. Lot of freshmen would have primed a little bit. Good. Yeah. yeah, I just spent all weekend in Texas talking to prospective students, and I was talking about nothing but grand challenges for, like, yeah. a good portion of it, saying, like, you got to start, not, you don't have to know your answers now, but you have to start mm-hmm. thinking about it now because mm-hmm. it's important yeah. to think about and hopefully that's another element of bringing electrical engineering to the forefront, too, because mm-hmm. I can't think of any one of those that doesn't have electrical engineering as part of it. Totally. Yeah. And there's even um, there's even new things that have come up in the last 10 years that uh, that are likely to involve electrical engineering. New problems? Yeah, new general problems. I mean, the um, new challenges that, that we face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the... Uh, the you, you can look at student interest, right? When you When you have discussions about what you think are the big problems facing the day. Students have opinions on these things, too. Sure. And I, I, I bet if you look, I, I, actually, I shouldn't bet. You, you have a, gl- a glimpse of what challenges students pick in their essays, right? A little bit, yeah. Do, you, do, you, um, do they pick kind of uniformly among the challenges, or do you see kind of a... They're, they're pretty clustering. widely spread, but looking at application data mm-hmm. is a little... Uh, it's a little misleading okay. Mm-hmm. because too many people are strategizing their application thinking that they're picking something that we want to hear. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. So are we getting accurate answers if I look at all applications? Mm-hmm. Now, I do believe that we're picking the ones that are giving us honest answers. So if mm-hmm. you look at our if – we, if we had – if we reversed it and we looked at students that enrolled here and mm-hmm. looked at what they put, which we never went back – we were not going to go back and do that. But if we did that, we'd have a good, accurate subsampling of mm-hmm. all the different – problems. Yeah, um, yeah. Water tends to become pretty dominant in my memory. Yeah. Uh, cyberspace, securing cyberspace becomes pretty dominant just because I think that's at the forefront of everybody's media consumption. Yeah. Um, every week there's another hack. Um, yeah. you know, there's, there's, a, there's another breach of yeah. data. And so securing cyberspace and water are going to be big. I have a feeling that this year, this is going to be my guess, that nuclear terror is going to come up Mm. More so than ever before because of the last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what what I always think is interesting is that um, 16, 17-year-olds are a result of whatever has been in the media for the last two or three years. Okay. And so when the media focus changes, yeah. then application interests change, yeah. as do um, overall kind of awareness of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see this in like a pop culture sense, and you can see this in a like what they want to, how they want to shape the world. Mm-hmm. So if you go back like, you know, eight, let's go back 10 years, eight, 10 years, um, dominated by eco-green, you know, yeah. like renewable type things, right? And so yeah. you saw a little bump and a little a little surge in, in environmental engineering and um, sustainable stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, everything that happens with, with, with smart devices mm-hmm. and computers getting smaller and online stuff and that just kind of goes through the roof. And then, like, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency <laughs> mm-hmm. and all these other things that happen uh, start in, in, impacting um, uh, 
kind of uh, computer science, et cetera. And then you got hacking and breaches, and that starts amping up cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. I think, you're, like I said, you're going to have uh, the, the nuclear terror thing come up as well. I think you're going to start to see geopolitical inspirations into problems in engineering and engineers wanting to be kind of uh, generalist as far as I'm a, I'm a strong technical person, but I have a desire to apply that to solving geopolitical crises. I'm right. a, I have yeah. a feeling we're going to see a lot of that this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can see it in movies, you know, like, <laughs> like there, every two years you always see a shift in what the best movie is. Mm-hmm. And it all has to do with like whatever was the most talked about movie in that time period, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I, it was always Inception for about it's whatever the latest Christopher Nolan movie was for like, <laughs> for like 10 years straight it was like Dark Knight Rises is the best movie in the world uh, or the Dark Knight is the best movie in the world and then it was like Inception is the best movie in the world and then things so just kind of keep well, yeah and it just kind of keeps changing based yeah. on whatever they've been exposed to in that four yeah. years what um, was interesting about the showcase though is that what I saw the most of and, and this might be self-selecting because those are the ones I remember the most but there was a lot of health ones mm-hmm. a lot of engineering mm. better medicine so a lot of improving health informatics because I think that's a, easy, a really easy application for people to see. And for all the teams that I talked to, not one of them had a BME on their team. Yeah. They were all CS, ISE, EE, some MECI coming together yeah. for health applications, it which directly, I thought was really cool. It directly affects everybody. Yeah. Um, everybody mm-hmm. can think of something where it needs to help them. Yeah. And you could say healthcare has been a topic of conversation for the last couple of years mm-hmm. at, at the forefront of for sure. Every media coverage that's out there. The rising cost of healthcare and yeah. healthcare is yeah. being a problem. So, yeah. Healthcare, politics, <laughs> refugee crisis. There's Refug- all kinds of things going on. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Everything. And so that, I think that's the thing is that the more aware people are of these things, whatever it's going to be, none of them are bad things. It's mm-hmm. going to influence kind of what they're going to be passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because these are the formative years. Yeah. I think social impact is driving it a lot too. I think social impact engineering has been growing a lot. I, well, I would say that all of these things are social impact. It's just yeah, a question yeah. of where they're focusing on that, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, whatever the problem is of that three- to four-year span that they're yeah. in high school. Like, what becomes critically important in those formative years of high school and also becomes, like, that's important for their life. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. Anyway, that was... Yeah. Oh, tangent, but, um, so you're, you're teaching freshman yeah. academy, I think, was the actual question that we went it's off a, of. It's an important tangent because people, students' interests are what's going to determine what they're passionate about and uh-huh. what they're going to be really motivated to to uh, attack in their career. Uh-huh. I feel like the the having the people think about grand challenges is good because it gives you a little bit of a context of what, I, I mean, I'm going to say it, that maybe the elders in the field Think are think are are important, you know, yeah. through various committees. They decide yeah, yeah. these are the top areas, right? Yeah. But you know what ultimately is going to drive uh, excitement and um, and energy is what young people how, how that melds with what they're totally naturally excited about too. Totally, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. anything else you want to talk about, or anything else going on in, in your world? Oh. Lots of stuff going on. You got you to steer me a little bit. Like <laughs> all different channels. Anything you're excited about in your research that you might be making some movements in in the next year or so? Yeah, yeah. So the um, most exciting thing that from to me right now is the is our new project to develop low field MRI. Okay. And um, we're just working out the logistics for citing the new magnet, but I think that's going to be it's going to open up a whole new set of doors for us to explore. It, mm-hmm. It's um, I alluded to it earlier, but basically we're going to buy a, uh, a commercial MRI scanner and then ramp it to a non, non-traditional field strength. <laughs> Is that word again? Yeah, so we're going to ramp it to a low, very low field strength. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it should be – it's going to be nearly, nearly silent. So, wow. And it'll, That's everyone's um, number one complaint. Well, it's one of the, one yeah. of the two complaints, the claustrophobia yeah. and how loud it is. Yeah. Right? It'll, still be, it'll still be a little tight, 70 centimeters, but it's um, – Big enough for a you know broad-shouldered person. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it uh, it should do a lot better than traditional configurations for imaging the heart, imaging the vocal tract, imaging mm. the gut, like mm. the intestines mm. and stuff. And it'll also be fantastic for people that would have implanted devices. Wow. So um, yeah. we're looking forward to a, a decade, maybe a decade of you know pushing the frontier uh, with that new instrument. So I'm very excited about it. Um, right now we got the 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 equipment all financed, um, largely from the National Science Foundation, mm-hmm. and um, I think it'll spawn a lot of exciting research, m- much of which we can involve undergrads in because we'll have a, a research magnet on this campus. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. That'd, that'd be, be awesome. Really cool.
So we're going to send everybody to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Kristen, thanks so much. Really Real appreciate pleasure. you coming in. And that just about wraps up this week's episode. Thanks so much for joining us. If you haven't already, follow us on SoundCloud, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, rate us five stars, tell us what you think, and we'll keep putting up content that you guys all want to listen to. Thanks again, peace out, and fight on.